And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Today on the program, we're going to welcome an investigative journalist, a person who does amazing interviews and is always seeking the truth. I don't know about you, but... I find that several individuals in alternative media, they're like rock stars to me. That's not the way some people view celebrities. Dylan Charles from Waking Times is like a brother from another mother. He's super cool. I love watching the videos by James Corbett. I'm always on activist posts. I'm always on these alternative media sites because I feel they're doing whatever they can with the greatest sense of urgency to bring to you the truth. You can't depend on a lot of people. You can't depend on your friends and neighbors to like to really tell you what's going on because they're so locked into whatever system of control they're pushing on people. So I really have a lot of respect for people in alternative media because they're taking a lot of risks. Most of them are probably alienated from their family and friends. I know I am in a lot of my views. <laughs> and it's tough. It can be really tough at times. But I know that we have... A lot of people who are listening to The Outer Limits for the first time tonight. And for those of you who are there, welcome. Our show takes a metaphysical approach to a lot of perspectives. And for those of you out there that are seeking, trying to find some truth, I want to say that in our experience on our show, talking to people who've had near-death experiences has been one of the greatest sources of information to gain the nature of our reality We've done several shows about what happens to you when you die, and we did a show about uh, death that featured 64 different experts. And the reason why I'm bringing this to your attention is because looking beyond the human experience, looking and trying to gauge what the totality of the human experience is, I feel a lot of answers lie there for the jump in evolution and for the conscious jump. I don't want to be lockstep and be controlled by anyone, especially not these sociopathic elites. But I feel that the answers out of here or the way out of it goes with people who've be, been beyond this world. And a lot of people who've had these near-death experiences all talk about the idea that there is one consciousness, one singularity, one divine being that which we are all part of. So for all of you out there who have listened for the very first time, I'd say... If the elites can be innovative and sick with their twisted ways of controlling people, we can be innovative in ways to undo, not only undo what they're doing, but figure ways out and figure out ways to liberate ourselves. Because if we're all part of the same singularity, the same consciousness, we just have to shift our perspective and do whatever we can to empower others. And that is why I'm so thrilled to have our featured guest today, because this is an individual who empowers others with his actions, with his words, and with his passion. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great joy to welcome to our show today Spiros Koras. He is an investigative journalist, 
and he does incredible interviews. You can see a lot of his work on activistpost.com, a site that I go to on a daily basis. I feel they're one of the top news services out there, really presenting the truth. And Spears done a lot of interesting interviews. He did. Uh, I, I pointed out in one of our previous shows, the show that we did with Sheriff Mack, to check out Spiro's interview with Sheriff Mack because he asked him a lot of good questions. Spiro, welcome to our show. Thank you for being with us. Hey, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, usually the gentleman asking all the questions and asking people asking good questions, but I'm really curious. I think a lot of people are curious about your background. I mean, all of a sudden I remember going to Activist Post and I started seeing some of your, your interviews. So what is your background? How did you become uh, so passionate about uh, finding what the truth was? Well, I, I think it's something that's been a, a kind of just a part of me for uh, my life was growing up uh, at a young age. You know, I uh, didn't really believe the official <laughs> narratives. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, my my uh, my family around me. It's what, you know, my father gave me uh, a book written by James Perloff to read when I was about 13 or 14, and it really uh, woke me up. Uh, to what's going on uh, with the system, and it was uh, called Shadows of Power. It's a great book, great read, and it gets into uh, the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission and, and just sort of the shadow government behind the scenes who are really pulling the strings. And, uh, you know, that just kind of uh, woke me up. I've always been uh, wanting to uh, try to uh, spread, you know, uh, information that I find credible that questions the official narrative uh, with those around me throughout my life and uh, was just inspired by others who were creating their own content on on YouTube and other platforms like that and so I decided to do start my own channel about I guess five or six years ago now and um, that channel is no longer there YouTube removed the entire channel see what a uh, shock but I ended up right uh, from there I ended up getting uh, recruited by Sabelle Edmonds uh, FBI whistleblower to uh, start up the independent news site called Newsbud, and I was the executive producer there for a couple of years, and has since uh, parted ways and just took a year off for a little while from independent media. And uh, right around the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, I, uh, with everything that's been going on, I could see that this is a critical time in our history, and uh, just couldn't hold back anymore, and decided to. Uh, uh, start creating content again, uh, and uh, I am also contributing currently to ActivistPost.com, as you mentioned previously. So, where does your curiosity come from? Like, what is the drive for what you do? Because you know, you ask a lot of good questions, and that's why I really resonate, respect that. So, I'm just curious, where did where does your curiosity and drive come from? Well, just to basically throughout you know years of research, becoming aware of. Uh, agendas that are taking place, openly taking place, but sold as, um, you know, something else. Uh, basically, we're not being told the whole story about a number of issues. And uh, and you just see the, the other contradictions, you know, that take place. And, and really, uh, when you observe the mainstream media outlets, all the big ones especially, they, you know, seem to be uh, trying to uh, sell a narrative as as we've all seen and witnessed over the years and and so it's really just uh you know my my uh motivation and drive comes just from trying to expose that uh these agendas and try to inform as many people as we can 
that that they're not being told the truth, that we're, we're being lied to on a daily basis. Um, and the more people have become aware of that, uh, the, I believe that it'll, the harder it'll be for them to just uh, implement their agendas before you know it's too late, basically. How do you see it right now, if you're looking at the way things are going with the world, do you think that, I don't know, the, the forces of truth, the forces of light have a chance of prevailing, or do you think this is almost a done deal, or do you think that maybe, you know, maybe this is a curtain call on humanity, but if everyone goes out in their knees, you refuse to, and you're going to go out on your feet? Well, yeah, that's uh, currently, like I said earlier, this is, I believe, the most critical point in, in our lives. And in, in uh, you know, recent history, as you know, more events are taking place here in the past six months than have taken place in other previous decades, you know, throughout history, uh, we're seeing um, a major push right now, and towards basically creating a new system. Um, the system that we are currently in, this current system of control, is coming to an end, and it's out of the ashes of that they're going to burn this current system to the ground by design sort of like a controlled demolition and they're getting ready to implement this new paradigm which is going to be basically a, a digitalized system of control um, that the technocrats uh, have engineered basically uh, where every aspect of our life is going to be uh, monitored and tracked and traced on the blockchain and uh, and and digitalized. We're going to, as we're seeing right now, the central banks, for example, have been working for years and years uh, with the private sector to develop central bank digital currencies. Uh, this is just one example of moving towards a cashless society. Uh, and of course, they just so happen to have this new system ready to roll out uh, as this, we are in the midst of this current crisis. And, you know, I don't believe that the future is written in stone, but I do believe that if we continue down the path we're heading, if we don't expose this, uh, these operations and, and, and uh, stand up to them and, and try to stop them, uh, then the future that they have laid out for us uh, is not a very good one. Uh, this was recently highlighted by the World Economic Forum. Uh, they are, of course, uh, the elite, the financial elite of the world that, that gather every year in Davos and basically dictate, uh, you know, behind the scenes uh, what their agendas are going to be for that, that year. And they came out recently, just about a week ago, and announced their plans, their new initiative for a great reset, is what they're calling it. And in that great reset will be the fourth industrial revolution. And so we have seen throughout history that, you know, industrial revolutions uh, have come with great change and fortunes have been made and fortunes have been lost. And so it is a, a there is a great opportunity, but there's also um, a, a dark agenda tied into this. And the World Economic Forum openly uh, promotes the fourth industrial revolution as uh, basically the transhumanist agenda, merging man with machines. So as you can see, they're already rolling out through this crisis uh, things like the digital passport and the digital ID. And now we're going to have digital currencies and everything is moving digital. And they're, this ties into the United Nations uh, 2030 agenda for their sustainable development goals, which includes a digital ID for every man, woman and child on the planet. 
So these, these are long-standing agendas that they have been building the infrastructure for globally for a long time. And they are openly saying that in light of this crisis, the coronavirus crisis, which has caused great economic turmoil, um, and now we see the civil unrest, they're saying that these crises justify their plan to implement this great reset. And in other words, it falls right into the Hegelian dialectic of problem, reaction, solution. So this great reset is going to be essentially a, a form of global governance dictated by the United Nations and these, these groups who are deciding humanity's future for them. We, we, we don't really get a say in this. So uh, that's, that's what I see unfolding right now. Uh, I think that uh, this, these crises are uh, engineered to a great extent in order to justify uh, this, this change that's coming very rapidly our way. Wow, it's, um, you know, watching some of your videos, and the, especially one of the financial reset, you did one and James Corbett did one, and uh, there are a lot of similarities and parallels, and I, I thought it was really well done. When we look at the financial reset, because it's, there's so much uh, digital currency, and we, I mean, have to, Peter Schiff's been talking about this for a long time, as has Gerald Salente, as of, of a lot of people saying that we're going to have an economic collapse, we're going to have the dollars going to be one day going to become completely worthless because that event could be so devastating and on such a large scale. Could that get out of control within the elites? I mean, do the, do the elites really have the control on that? Do you think that there's some things where they have not thought everything through with where, you know, they their plans will maybe, maybe they'll go to waste? I mean, is there any situations or any period in history where you can think of where the elites or the, the powers that shouldn't be were trying to control people and it backfired because it got out of hand? Well, you know, they've been wargaming these scenarios uh, for quite some time. They've also been conditioning the public to gradually accept them for quite some time, incrementally. You know, if you think about it, how many people nowadays carry cash? It's very, very few uh, based on my experiences. So when you say to people, you know, they're going to digitalize the financial system, many people will tell you, well, they, it already is digitalized. You know, I, I use my debit card, I use my phone, I, you know, stuff like that. I pay online. And while that may be true, it already is essentially a digitalized system. Uh, the, the fundamental infrastructure is, is what's changing. And, you know, the ideas of cryptocurrencies, um, you know, initially when they were first developed were sold the idea of being decentralized, in other words, not under the control of the central banks and the governments, and it would provide the same anonymity that cash would provide. Well, these new uh, digital currencies that they're rolling out in this system that they have built um, is still going to be controlled by the same central banks and governments. Uh, and it's going to be a highly centralized system that's going to be plugged into every aspect of our lives. Um, through, and this is tied in with the the 2030 agenda and Agenda 21 to basically, you know, in the name of uh, saving the planet due to climate change, they're going to want to regulate every aspect of our existence, including what we can buy and how much of it we can buy, and it's going to be integrated into sort of a digital credit, uh, uh, you know, a social credit score. As far as you know, um, the the resistance goes, or when their plans have backfired. You know, I mean, the Internet, for example, has been 
was introduced and created, of course, by, you know, DARPA and, and CIA and stuff like that. Uh, that was meant, you know, to be part of this, the early stages of this control grid and to uh, basically be able to manipulate people. And while it has been able to achieve this, it also has helped to uh, spread information and wake people up. So, you know, that in a sense was sort of a double-edged sword that kind of backfired on them because more and more people are now more aware of what is taking place. And that's why we see the big uh, crackdowns with the censorship taking place. Um, and I think that's only going to increase. Well, as, are there anything that you see as, as particularly hopeful? Because I, my, my, thing is I, my hope is again, I think that they're going to screw things up. I don't really have faith in, in people altogether. I, I really think that this is a battle between people like you and critical thinkers and the elites, and I feel like the rest of the masses—they're just kind of like secondary characters. I know this is kind of—I'm not saying this from a place of ego. I'm just saying this from a place of like you know who's engaged. Like most people are just completely asleep, and if they're not fighting for freedom and they're not trying to take this thing down, I feel like they're, they're part of the problem because they're just—I don't know—like just water bearers for the tyranny. But um, my biggest hope is that I hope that these the elites screw up worse enough and they screw up things so bad that people actually turn away from authority. That's why I love listening to Larkin Rose. I think that some of the things that he's pointed out is he said that so many people have gotten so burned and become so disassociated with authority that they're no longer acknowledging it and this is going to be a disaster for the ruling class, which I'm hopeful about. But I'm curious, where where do you see hope or do you see any hope? Well, I don't think that the final chapter is yet written. You know, uh, it's been said that the amount of tyranny that one will live under is the exact amount that you'll put up with. And so when I see events take place, like, for example, the uh, death of Jeffrey Epstein, I think events like that really wake a lot of people up, kind of shake them out of their slumber and to where people will say, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? This guy is connected to all these high profile people. He's in jail on suicide watch and commits suicide. That doesn't make sense. I would say that I, I don't know that I know any one person that would thinks that Epstein really killed himself. So, you know, events like that really kind of um, are a catalyst for an awakening. And I think that most people would agree that the system is corrupt. And, uh, and so when you take events like that and then you multiply that by the coronavirus crisis that we're under right now. We were told, you know, in the beginning that millions and millions of people were going to die. And, you know, this, these were based, of course, on these projections were based on computer models that were, of course, funded partially by Bill Gates, who stands to gain uh, a lot exponentially throughout this crisis, a name that keeps reoccurring throughout the crisis. So now you have these these global, these massive lockdowns, unprecedented ever before in human history, due to the government's response of these projections that were funded by Bill Gates, these models. So now a couple months go by, and they were able to lock down the entire planet within a matter of weeks. Now some months go by, and we actually have real data to go off of. And the data shows, despite the fact that these numbers have been artificially padded and inflated, and this was admitted by Dr. Deborah Burks of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, that regardless of whether someone dies or not of coronavirus, if they believe them to have COVID, they put them down as a COVID death. So right there, they're admittingly 
padding the numbers. So now we're seeing, despite all that, the numbers are still low. They're around the same rate as the common flu. And this is according to even CDC numbers. And uh, so this now, again, is waking people up like, hey, wait a minute, we're being lied to. Our, our economy is being destroyed. Our lives are being destroyed. There's a record amount of people uh, in this country alone and in several others who are out of work. They're, they're basically relying on the government to send them money at this point. And of course, this builds that dependency uh, upon the system, and that dependency provides the system control over us. And this is part of the designed implosion of the economy uh, to, you know, transition into this next system. And so, you know, there, there is, uh, again, you know, it's good to see a lot of people waking up to this. You're starting to see more and more people start to search for alternative uh, viewpoints, alternative sources of information, and to see what, what else is going on out there. Well I'm curious, if people are waking up and they say, well, it's wonderful that the people are waking up, but if they do, but what does it matter if they wake up? I mean, if they, if some, if all these people say, well, I'm aware, but what action are they going to take? Because I see some, I mean, some of my neighbors, we don't, we, we don't believe that thing. We don't believe the whole coronavirus. I mean, I never believed that for a second. I never, every time the government came out and said, do this, do that, I was like, <laughs> you're idiots. No. So, I mean, but even if people are aware, what can they do? Is there... Is there, neg is there um, turning away or ignoring these orders or ignoring what they're being told? Does that weaken the system to the point where it eventually no longer has any power over us? Is this, can you foresee this or a hope being what happened in, um, with the Berlin Wall falling, where the people just no longer acknowledge the authority of the government and they just broke it down? Well, we're ruled by the consent of, you know, being ruled by. Uh, the, these government officials, for example, and remember, the government works for us. You know, we're we're not their slaves in this system here. Although, you know, incrementally over generations, it has starts to feel like we are in that way. But of course, um, I would say civil disobedience is a great tool that can be used. Non-compliance, you know, is a great tool that can be used. Uh, you know. We don't have to necessarily, you know, there is a, a need for a violent revolution that, no, we don't need to do that. You know, I, I think that um, the system is only justified by our consent. And, and we have people that are elected officials who are holding in these positions that need to be uh, kicked out of their positions. You know, I mean, there's a lot that we can do. Yes, of course, elections are rigged and, and manipulated. And it's been said that if uh, voting made a difference, uh, it would be illegal. And, and so, I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in this system as it stands. But, but absolutely, being as independent from this system as an individual is one of the most important things that we can do. For example, that we've been hearing a lot of talk about the food shortages that are potentially coming. Just today, the United Nations issued a, a, an emergency, you know, urgent message basically saying that, they're predicting massive food shortages. And what better way to control the people than by controlling the food? We've already seen uh, the modern day bread lines here in this country spreading, you know, for miles and, uh, you know, while people are out of work. And so, you know, growing our own food is one great option to create uh, independence from this system. And, and I think that that's one of the most important things we can do in, in whichever way we can to be as independent as possible to uh, exercise uh, uh, civil disobedience, you know, uh, whenever we see 
rules and, and laws and executive orders that are unconstitutional and that, that are, go against people's uh, civil and individual liberties. I don't know about you, but I feel like lately I'm, I'm at this point where I'm having a, getting really frustrated at my, uh, my fellow Americans or other people that are just going along with everything, that are just so afraid or they're just co- totally complicit in the tyranny. And they're also complicit in condoning, condoning what other people do as far as violence against other people. And I, I don't know. It's, I, I want to say that I'm a peaceful person. I don't want to initiate violence against other people, but I can't help but think that if somebody out there, whether they be a friend or a neighbor, is comfortable with the violence and they're going against all these other people, are they not my enemy? Are they not somebody who I need to, to, to either neutralize or physically stop? Because I feel like... Um, if we don't stop these people from being complacent with this stuff, we don't stop them from, you know, from joining the stuff. They're only making things worse. So I'm at a tough spot with that. I don't know if that's something that's ever come across your mind, or you think that's something else other people have, have found. Because I know a lot of people in alternative media or other critical thinkers that are basically alienated from a lot of their family and friends, especially at this point, because they see the world for what it is, and they're not drinking the Kool Aid, and they're not allowing themselves to be twisted and compromised in so many ways. So, so I'm curious what your perspective is. Well, of course, I think that uh, information is power. It's it's so powerful, and that's why there is this tight control over information. And there's these misinformation campaigns, disinformation campaigns, and straight out propaganda campaigns. Uh, former CIA director William Casey once said, you know. Once the American public doesn't know what to believe, uh, our disinformation programs are complete, basically. And I would say that that's a good reflection point upon where we are at in history now. Now, what I find, the reason why I do what I do in creating this content and researching and producing it, it's because um, the information, if people have the source of the information and they're able to think critically and look at a different viewpoint and come to their own conclusions. And my job isn't to tell people what to do, what to think, anything like that. It's to present another side of the story uh, and allow the, the viewer to make the decision for themselves. Now, my view on this as a whole is, you know, yes, I can see how many people would think that, you know, we, each other are the enemy, when in fact, this falls into, in my view, the divide and conquer strategy. They want us to be fighting each other over our different viewpoints, no matter how uh, insignificant they may be. You know, they, of course, they would rather have us fighting about um, class warfare or race or religion or political ideologies. That way we're so busy and distracted fighting each other over Republican or Democrat or, or you know, many of the countless examples that we don't see that we are all victims of the same system of oppression that is targeted at all of us. So um, that, that's what my goal is, is to try to sh- share information and point out, hey, you know, while we're sitting here fighting each other over this garbage, uh, this system right here is laughing all the way to the bank. They're mocking on. You do have a lot of, um, again, I was praise people praise you about uh, the interviews that you do very distinctive style also I think you've got this very soothing radio voice so uh, the, please keep up the great work is there any advice that you would offer to other people in alternative media or other people that are considering getting into the game 
that want to become an individual who presents truth to the world, is there any advice you'd, you'd offer to people who, um, again, want to join the cause of freedom and help spread the word? Yes. Um, you know, I think that uh, I'm very grateful for the alternative media. There's a lot of people out there doing some fantastic work, and we need more people to to take on those those roles. You know, um, it, it, it we can't only have one or two or half a dozen or a dozen, you know, uh, trustworthy alternative independent media, uh, you know, sites uh, or sources of information, you know, because then we're we can be easily targeted and taken taken down. You know, so I think that it's it's fantastic a lot of the work that everyone's doing out there. I do have some concerns of of, and this is you know not only of course you know independent alternative media, but just media in general all the way up to the mainstream. I think that um, taking a, a political position as far as uh, falling in line with one political party versus the other, I think is not beneficial. Um, you know, to trying to share information. Like basically, if you have a political bias, then how can you be presenting the facts objectively? You know, so I think that that's one downside that I see in media is that they're either hardcore pro-Trump or hardcore against Trump and not all of them, you know, but, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I just think that, um, you know, like myself personally, and I'm not saying I'm, I have my flaws too, but I mean, I'm, Personally, I, I don't subscribe to any political ideology. Um, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter. I am not against Trump per se. Like, I don't hate him. I don't love him. I, I'm, I'm politically neutral. You know, when he does things, uh, because he is the current president, uh, when he does things that I, I, uh, I will call him out on it, them if it's warranted. You know, if he does other things where it's actually a good thing, like, for example, pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, I think that was a good thing pulling out of the UN small arms trade treaty. Those are good things, you know, so, and those should be highlighted, but at the same time, when there are injustices, those need to be highlighted as well. And as far as other people wanting to get into the alternative media, I think it's great. I think uh, start, start your own channels on, on YouTube, start creating content, you know, and of course um, YouTube has been the main platform for so long, but they, the censorship is getting heavier and heavier and I think ultimately we need to move away from platforms like YouTube and find independent, you know, alternatives like BitChute, for example. And I know that there's many others and I, I need to research others, but I currently have a channel on BitChute and they're an, an a, a alternative to YouTube that does not censor. And that's what they pride themselves on. They are not censoring people. You know, I shouldn't, there shouldn't be a system in place by Google and, you know, or in whoever Facebook to, try to protect me from reality. I'm an adult. I, I can, I should be able to have access to the information and decide for myself. Great. Well said. And uh, the last question I have for you is, is there any type of daily affirmation that you say to yourself that keeps you going? And, and is there any distinctive piece of advice that somebody's told you that has served you well that you'd like to share with others? Well, I, I would say um, it's just, you know, I just feel and from what I'm seeing and everything that is taking place that, again, this is the most critical time in our lives right now. And I'm not just saying that to be dramatic. Uh, we are, I believe, witnessing the organized uh, destruction of this country, of the U.S., where, you know, where I'm at. And we're seeing this, these operations take place in other countries as well. 
what we are seeing take place here, in my view, is a, is a destabilization operation. And these are the same exact tactics that have been used by the U.S. and the CIA and other countries as well to destabilize these nations before they attempt to topple their governments. I don't think that any other foreign country, even a superpower, could have been as successful uh, as this operation that is taking place right now here in the U.S. It's been said that you know, this country couldn't be destroyed from without, it would be destroyed from within. And I, I believe we are seeing an organized effort to do that. So that gives me the sense of uh, urgency and uh, focus to, um, you know, at this point in time, do everything that I can to contribute in every way that I can uh, to the resistance. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, working a full-time job and having a family and trying to position myself and my family in a, a way uh, to where we can be as independent and as safe as we can be. Spiros Gross, I want to thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your fight, your drive, your wonderful interviews, and for keeping on bringing that football down the field of freedom. Really enjoy it. If you learn more about Spiro by going to bitshoot.com, check out his profile. We're going to post links to all of Spiro's interviews. Spiro, Spiro thank you so much. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Spiro Skoros. I swear, the real reason why we had him on our show is because he's got a really cool beard. I was like, that is a great beard to have. we got to have that guy on the show. <laughs> and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and Ms. Lisa McGarity. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>